I'm M4 Numbers and we're joined this week by Tyrus Engineer and Steve AB. Okay, so we'll kick things off as per normal with events. What have we got, Tyrus? Yes, as you may have noticed, events are back. We started again on the 13th of April with Bomber Mine, which was one of Team Enigma's marvellous contraption-y creations full of exploding and all sorts of things. It was so great that it even exploded the server for a bit. But no, eventually there was a winner, and that winner was Big Gibby 9 who wins himself a month's royalty for blowing up the competition to a spectacular degree. It's quite it's always good to see a non a non mentor player winning because sometimes sometimes the mentors do seem to have good winning streaks. But no, they they've been bested this time. Um how long did Invon's winning streak run up to? I'm trying to remember. I don't know, I never counted. I think it was something ridiculous like nine weeks. It was a long time, it was far too long. But the green names shall rule no more. It is the white names that are Yes, they've been doing. They've been doing um, comparatively badly recently. They 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 were doing pretty well before, but no. Since Invon's since Invon's ascended to his sort of new new job as head of the mentors, he's 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 sort of faded into obscurity a bit. However, he will have. I don't know if he'll take this opportunity, but he will have the opportunity to get back into winning events with the next event coming up, which is Master Builder, which is a big deal for server events, not to anyone else really, but yeah. For those of you who don't know what Master Builder is, it's a big server-wide four-week-long building contest over a series of rounds, but it's the only one of the server's building contests which staff can enter and can win. Um, last year it was won by Comic Sans, he's a, he's a mod. I don't think he was a mod at the time, but he is now. No, no, no correlation there, it just happens, but anyway. Um, and yes, you can win a month's royalty perks on the server, but then also you can win the exclusive Master Builder title, which you can't get any other way, so it's definitely worth joining in. Sign up on the forums at escapecraft.net if you're interested. So sign up fast. For those of you who aren't into your building for Master Builder, you can, don't worry, you're not being left out. Uh, secondary events will be running alongside the Master Builder events at normal time on Saturdays. Prizes won't be royalty; they won't be won't be as fabulous, but but you know, they're definitely be worth they're definitely worth coming along to. You can win some diamonds, maybe some games, if because we've generously had a load of games do, um, donated by Wild Will Double O Two, and we might be able to give some of those out, and that would be fun. So that will be normal server time, three p.m. on Saturdays. Um, Check the forums for more info. Always check the forums. Live on the forums. It's fantastic. Anyway, moving on, we have our special guest this week of Steve AB. Say hello, Mr. Steve. Greetings. Hello, yes. And you've been working on something, haven't you? Yeah, for about the last week, I've been spending probably far too much time on Escapecraft, and... Myself and Team Enigma and a couple of other people like Tyrus and Beard and Spy have put together rather a big project for you guys. It's a complete at this point. It's a complete rework of Enigma. Um, we've we're releasing some, something called Steve Land. Now the concept of this is that it's a park in Enigma, which is 500 by 500, which hosts a whole lot of games and PvP arenas and a whole mess of stuff for you guys to play around with and. Items persist here, so 
if you get an iron chest or if you get some cool armor and weapons, it'll matter. You can't get them without having to put effort in, and you'll you'll be able to keep them and use them in all the games, and it'll be it'll actually matter when you get gear here. Uh, we're gonna give everyone has access to ender chests here, so you'll be able to store a limited amount of gear here, and it will be safe whenever you decide to use it in Enigma, but it will only be usable inside this park. So the games that are outside the park, the original puzzles and games that are still outside of this area that we're releasing, those still won't use this, it will just be this new area. Now, the way you get these items is quite interesting, isn't it? It's it's new, it's not seen well before at all on the server, well, for all the time the server's been here. So do you want to take us through how you can earn these items? We have installed an economy plugin to run an Enigma, and the way this works is every game in Enigma that, that is suited for it will give you a currency called Fun Bucks. Now, depending on the difficulty of the puzzle and the amount of time it will take you, it can give you anywhere from 10 to several hundred Fun Bucks, based on the difficulty really, um, and you can come into Enigma and there are shops located throughout the Steveland Park where you can buy gear. You can buy bows and weapons and all sorts of armor. You can buy potions, you can buy food, you can buy vanity items and tools. Um, and all of it comes together to basically allow you almost anything you, you'd want to ever use in any kind of PvP map or game. Um, we've also added in a gambling system where there are slot machines that you can use to try and increase your winnings, but obviously it's gambling, so... Which has already got some of our mentors addicted. Yes, uh, some of our mentors have spent a rather spectacular amount of money on this. Uh, obviously in-game money, but they have spent a spectacular amount gambling. They seem to enjoy it though, so it, it should be fun. You guys should enjoy it. And of course it wouldn't be an Enigma update without some sort of crazy, puzzly, redstone-y thing. And that's coming in the form of instances. Yes, there's there's been a project in the works for quite a while now. It it originally started a couple of months ago, probably last September, and we put together some instances based on World of Warcraft-style dungeons. And the concept is you go in with a couple of friends, you take the gear with you, and you fight your way through a, a very large number of enemy mobs. You've got to be careful, you've got to work together, and you've got to keep your wits about you. And once you reach the end, you get a reward of fun bucks for participating, but also there's some loot that can drop. Now, based on the instance difficulty, we'll be scaling this loot. Um, so we'll have, in the first instances, uh, you'll be able to get some basic enchanted gear. So like some leather and some, art, some iron armor that's been enchanted. Because uh, in the shops, you can only get access to iron and leather gear. This is so we've got room to expand with these instances, and as we intend to keep bringing them to you, and we can keep uh, hyping the gear up more and more with each instance update we bring you, so there's still an incentive to get in there and be the first to get this new gear. Uh, the idea being is that we don't want to make the shops overpowered, because the shops will be quite an easy way to get gear. So the idea is, the idea is to have fun with the gear, but not overpower the PvP. It, you should, If you get an iron, an enchanted iron chest plate, or you get a diamond sword, we want you to be really, really pleased with that. We want it to mean something, because you'll be one of the few people who has it because it was so difficult to get, and you'll want to keep it. You won't, you'll, you'll care that you have it, and you'll actually take care of your gear here. And you just touched earlier upon 
um, unique loot. This is something that I think sounds particularly fun. Essentially, every couple of weeks, I gather, a new ultra-rare drop will be introduced into instances somewhere, and you earn it by completing the instances. However, these are unique, so only one person will get them, so it's, it's an incentive to keep playing them. Yeah, for each instance, we've instituted a loot table. Now, this can go right the way from basic gear that you can get in the shop, all the way up to the very top tier enchanted gear. Um, but what we've done is, in each instance, between once and twice every fortnight, we're going to be adding in a completely unique named item with extra enchants on it. So it'll be it'll be the best in series for that instance. So it'll be the it will be the best piece of loot in that instance. But it'll also have a unique name. So it will be yours. It'll be a completely unique one of a kind item which you can sell or you can keep or you can store or you can use or whatever you want to do with it. Really. Okay, I'm probably not the only one wondering this, but where did the name Fun Books come from? Um. I don't know. Me and Beard. Uh, yeah, Tyrus and Beard. Yeah, Tyrus and Beard were helping me set this up at the beginning, and um, we weren't sure of the name for the park. It was we, it was going to be something big and grand and to match with Enigma, but Beard started calling it Steve Land. Tyrus stuck with it as well, and it made sense given the avatar of Minecraft is Steve, so we decided to keep with Steve Land and Fun Bucks. It just sounded it just sounded right for this kind of project, um, and then again, it was Beard and Tyrus who I presume got it from Futurama. Yes. But yes, so you you too can be earning Steve Land fun bucks. Yeah. There will also be for those of you who don't think you can store all of your gear in an ender chest. There is a hotel which we've set up near Spawn. A couple of weeks after Steve Land's release we're going to be selling rooms. Now these rooms will have double chests in, so you'll be able to store a lot more gear, but the rooms will cost you several thousand fun bucks, so it'll cost you a fair amount, but it'll be yours permanently. Once you've bought it, it is your room forever, you get the permanent storage in it, and you can put whatever you like in there from Enigma. Yes, um, for just... those of you who just can't clear out your chests properly, yes, just have and... to have everything. The important thing is you won't be able to bring in any loot from anywhere else in Enigma. Every every the only way into Enigma, uh, into Steve Land, will be a single portal which will clear your inventory on entry. So the only way to get gear here is by actually going and earning it. All the puzzles in Enigma will give you fun bucks for completing them, but you can only spend them in Steve Land and you can only actually feel an advantage from them here. And just as a little thing I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, events will let you will give you the chance to win win fun bucks. They're not going to be massive amounts because events offer other prizes as well. But it's a nice little incentive to to join and in participation with some of them. as well. I heard yes. we'll be offering a small number for for participation in an event. Yeah, you're not going to be a fun buck millionaire just for turning up. You do you would have to put some effort in. Well, that applies oh. to most things in the park. One final thing, we've installed the war plugin. Now this is going to be another thing that can ward fun bucks, but it's also going to be, it's tied in quite nicely with events. It's going to be able to let us run big team games that we've struggled to run before, frankly, because of the limitations of Minecraft. We've altered that, and now we can actually enforce teams, we can make we can make proper capture the flag maps, and we're going to be experimenting with this quite a lot in the near future, and we've already got two of them lined up, ready for you to go, in Steve Land. Yes, to like... play with your friends. 
Yes, like many projects in Enigma, they've sort of sat waiting to be to be unleashed on an unsuspecting world. Um, for example, you will at some point be able to play a game called Castle Wars, which some of you may know from from the uh, the MMO RuneScape. It's been completely redone. It's it's considerably better than their version, I think, personally. But big capture the flag, large team, fun. That's the only word for it. It's good. It, it, it should be good fun to play. So yeah, next time you're online, come check Steve Land out. I'm sure there'll be something here you'll enjoy. We've got a whole mix of PvP and uh, play of us environment and puzzles, and we've got everything really. We've got something for everyone. Oh, and ju- just we don't also do- have we also have a big free build PvP arena. The way to think of this is like the old PvP world. It allows you to go in and just build whatever you want. You can buy tools and weapons to take in there. You can't mine resources in there. I've removed all the resources to keep the economy balanced. But everything else is completely as is. So you can build forts, you can hide, you can take TNT in there if you like and and blow people up. And roughly once every fortnight to month we'll reset that. So it'll be back to the original world as how it was and you can play with it however you like. Yeah, so anything's possible in fabulous Steve land. Just try not to do a modo and get completely hooked on gambling and okay the mentors will be having their sort of accounts cleared just so it's all fair before before the steve before steve land releases but what was it modo spent i think five and a half thousand fun bucks and yes that that that's a lot so for that in perspective i think i've spent about ooh 500 maybe not much to put that in perspective, a medium-length puzzle will give you 50. Yeah. Mo- Modo's gonna... He's hooked. And if he can be hooked, so can you. So, yeah, make sure to check it out when it drops. And that should be going out at the same time as this podcast, hopefully. So, yeah, stay stay tuned. Stay tuned for Steve Land. Tickets on sale on Tuesday. And, yes, that concludes talking about Steve Land. So now on to our other gaming section, where this this week, not me unfortunately, but we've been talking about Bioshock Infinite, and also with us to talk about it, to replace my non-existent opinion on it, is Lord. Hello. Hello. So, Matt, Lord, enjoying? been enjoying the game? Has it been good? Enjoyed. I've played through it, I've had my enjoyment. I do think the replay value is... Non-existent? No, there is secondary replay value at the very least. Um, Bioshock Infinite is one of the games where once you get to the ending and you hear the big um, twist that you all expected but didn't quite expect that way, um, you can go back through the game and say Oh yeah, that makes sense now. But anyway, Bioshock Infinite itself. In regards to its predecessors, the Bioshock 1 and Bioshock 2, it's very similar, you've got your your same powers, albeit they're under a different name, but there is a complete absence of splicers. There's just cops, there's normal human beings that you shoot and kill and maim. Although they 
pretty much have similar actions to the splices. One thing I actually noticed was the melee cops uh, hitting whatever melee implement they had against the floor, which is what the splices would do, the thuggish splices. Ah, so you think they've been cutting corners a bit there with their animation? I don't know if they have, but uh, to be quite honest, <laughs> you could probably you could, well you could probably swap around the um, the skins and not really notice too much of a difference apart from the the special vigor enhanced uh, enemies in Infinite. Um, although the difficulty curve between enemies has sort of been ramped up to stupid difficulties. Um, in Bioshock 2 you had the um, big daddies which were negligible if you had a lot of ammo and the splicers which were just cannon fodder but the big sisters were a bit of a bitch to take down. At Bioshock Infinite they've just decided to go oh you want easy enemies? Lol, no, let's just give you these big handymen who are absolute pain in the arse to take down without dying. Yes, I did find the uh, handyman more difficult than most. Uh, I think I went through the first one pretty much just using the wrench because it was... Uh, first of all, I always like using melee weapons because there's no need to run out of ammo. You can just continuously use them. And since it was so effective, I just went with that. And I tried as much as possible to go with melee weapons in Bioshock 2, but I did need to change a bit with more ranged weapons. But with Infinite, uh, there wasn't really... I mean, melee was a secondary thing you could always use. You still need to use ranged weapons all the time. Although I did just end up using the hand cannon and a machine gun, and I was set for life. I wasn't fond of the, well, I understood the point of it, but I didn't enjoy the fact that I could only have two weapons at one time. I will say one thing about the combat for Infinite, I, it wasn't very satisfying, I didn't really enjoy it, it's kind of just there, like slogging through it to get to the next story section, at least for me. Like the, 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 it wasn't very satisfying, it, it was more satisfying in the first two. I'll, I'll admit that it's combat's much easier because you've got the sky rails to play about with and I really enjoyed just going jumping down from a skyline and twatting someone in the head off the edge of a cliff sorry, off the edge of the cloud Okay, the skyline stuff was fun but that was uh, it was interesting because they did have the, it was still very visceral you had the, especially with the uh the melee weapon is it the skyhook or yes whatever's magnetized the skyhook is very gory in some of the takedowns yes and despite the fact it ripped people's heads off and it did all sorts of stuff like the, the god the neck uh, snapping thing that kind of thing it still never felt as satisfying just smacking someone in the face and they collapse in the first bioshock was much uh, i don't know it had much more of an impact it's very difficult to describe it because it's, uh, especially with a computer, you don't really have, uh, like, a controller for vibration unless you are using a controller. But uh, for my playthroughs, I was just using a keyboard and mouse, and I still felt the combat of the first two games was more satisfying than Infinite. So maybe a potential weak point there, but of course, in a single-player game, you've got your main point, and it's, it's the story. 
has this been an improvement from from Bioshocks one and two, or is this more of the same? I gather there's been a bit of a change. Do you want to go? On, do you want to talk about that? Well, they had different creative uh, leads uh, with Bioshock two. So the first one and Infinite were the creative lead was Ken Levine, and he's um, essentially what he does has been he's taken an uh, an ideal. So for Bioshock 1 it was objectivism which is pretty much no government interference in free market enterprise and then while the second one did do that with sort of like uh, communism or socialism um, it didn't it wasn't as similar as the way Infinite sort of taken a few cues from uh, uh, the original actually the plot does allude to the fact that these cues are necessary in the first place um, but yeah, this one is uh, American exceptionalism, which is the idea that America has a manifest destiny to spread its uh, its glory across the world. Uh, so this manifests in sort of imperialistic uh, and, well, they'd never say it's imperialistic, but it's, it's pseudo-imperialistic, racist superiority. So that's what they do. They take that and they get the idea and then they turn it into horrific dystopia so for rapture it was uh, well look at this now it's an underwater uh, city that's in civil war whilst for columbia it's uh, uh, it's quite nice when you get there and then you cause the shit uh yes um you are it's nice and happy when you get there. You have your nice intro mission where you go walking around looking at all the happy children and the 1912 style um, decor, the um, videograms, and you even get to have a bit of fun with um, Vigors where you just have a mini game, which is I'm still trying to figure out the point of. I'm still failing. What? The mini games. No, the first minigame that you play when you get there, where you have to find the devil with your booking bronco. Yes. That was odd. Well, it's essentially, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's trying to integrate a tutorial without having to go uh, lock in a nice site to, to be able to do this kind of thing. So, trying as much as possible not to refer to a button setup. I suppose that makes sense. Um, but yes, it goes from your nice, happy, playful carnival setting to going on the run in about five minutes after that. And then it all goes downhill from there. Quite fun, really, in a mad way. Um, but one thing Bioshock's built a history of has been the twist which you really should have expected in the first place, and you sort of did. But you didn't see how they were coming. First one, spoiler alert, you had Atlas, who was actually the uh, Fontaine who could control you with the words, would you kindly? And Bioshock 2 didn't have any of that because it wasn't designed by the same person. And Bioshock 3 has its own, well, twisty end, end point. I will say the story is much more satisfying in Bioshock Infinite because you keep getting hints every now and again that build the picture or build a picture and when you finally get the great big exposition oh my god how much text are you going to cram in me in the last 20 minutes 
you do it does stick with you that ending well it stuck with me at least uh, I have to say I had to, I had to play that part again I had to redo the ending because I was just like wait what okay then it ended and I was like right is that it so yes I uh, I replayed it and actually I stuck subtitles on just to make sure I got everything yes the exposition does get a bit heavy well, it's a rather large amount of exposition in a very short amount of time. I think that Bioshock has taken away from the focus of the story. It's basically, you've got your combat-orientated first entirety of the game, which has tidbits of story in it every now and again in between combat sections, which are few and far between, really. And then you get this, oh god, we've run out of time to cram story in, just pass it all on to the player now, they'll live with it. Well, I suppose it depends, because one argument I've seen is that uh, the middle section especially is just filled with, uh, well, padding that doesn't really go anywhere and isn't very important, but it's still there. And as I said, I didn't find the combo all that satisfying. Well, it was alright, but it's not, it's not something I would have come to the game for. Is mostly there for the setting, actually, and, uh, and the story as well. What did you think of the Lutest twins? Um, <laughs> well, the first thing I picked out was just, uh, oh, look, Jennifer Hale. But I like them. I like the sort of the, the quirkiness. Um, for those listening, the Lutest twins were just two people, a a brother and sister who popped up every now and again in random places in the story and just had creepy music playing while they talked. Well, they aren't brother and sister. Well, yes, they finished each other's sentences, they... It was quite odd, really. Quite eerie. Yeah, but there's a reason for it. Oh, yeah. You do... F um, you do get all the reasons five minutes from the end of the game, which sort of detract from it. Alright, so thanks Lord for that, um, well I would say brief look on Bioshock Infinite, but we've sort of dragged a lot of tape out on that. Um, anyway, remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, um, subscribe to us on YouTube, YouTube and subscribe to us on iTunes. I've been M4Numbers. I've been Tyrus. I've been Lord Mountbatten. I've been Steve AB. Thank you for listening, good night. Too many.